With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Brian Peller, and he's Chris Tindall. It's episode eight, week seven of the college football season. This is Sharpen the Point, in case you're new, because we are adding new listeners each week. We're a college football game and DFS picks podcast. I go against the spread picks. Chris provides DFS selections. Follow along on this podcast and our article on TomahawkNation.com. As always, if you're betting or playing these picks, do so responsibly. Follow the picks at your own risk. Um... We're having fun, man. I think it's a fun conversation podcast, just college football. And so if you've been along for the ride, we appreciate it. Um, I don't know. Chris, you having fun? We've had some ups and downs. I think uh, last <laughs> week was last week was more down for me. but uh, For you, I played been... your picks and made slight tweaks on my own, and they were great. Yeah, apparently I didn't listen to myself enough. <laughs> Evidently not. Uh, one big note for this week, in case you've been listening, we typically record late Thursday night. Uh, to get as close to that Friday um, drop as we can. We dropped the article here in the podcast Friday morning. This is probably when you're listening to this, or at least sometime on Friday or before the stuff on Saturday. Um, Or if you want to listen in hindsight, just to see what two idiots thought before it happened, after it happened, I guess you can do that. But um, tonight we're on a Wednesday night recording. I blame two reasons we're flying out. My my wife and I are flying out for the LSU-Auburn game on Friday. uh, And tomorrow we're going to the Jonas Brothers concert. Uh, She apparently... Didn't have anyone else who wanted to go. And as her husband, I uh, I guess I stood in front of family and friends and agreed to do that. So uh, that's why we're recording on a Wednesday. I know I made the game a little bit harder for you here, Chris, but uh, I, I apologize. No, it's okay. I It put a little bit of pressure on me, but I've, I've spent a couple of late nights the last two <laughs> nights making sure that I had it dialed in. And I think I feel pretty good about where we're at, but it's going to be a big week because we got 100K on the line, and and that's no no small feat there to try to take that bad boy down. Yeah, I'm going to have to be texting you pretty much nonstop during my flights on Friday to make sure I'm locked in heading into Saturday morning. And uh, you at least you won't get my usual. I woke up at 11:58 and trying to lock in my Eastern Time lineups right before they lock at noon, like I hit you with last week. Um, I mean, that's most of my fault because I stepped to like four in the morning on Fridays. But regardless, we usually start with what went right, what went wrong. Uh, last week, I was right down the middle at an even five and five. Chris, I like to start with you because it's been a lot of what went right. You said it didn't go right for you. Um, it turned out pretty damn good for me with your advice, especially when that LSU-Missouri game shoots out. I think you could say I went five and five in my own right with uh, I was wrong, you were right. So we went one and one technically. Uh, I saw you were at screenshots. You were cashing everything, and I I was the opposite. I was close, but not quite there. Uh, it took a little bit of a beating. I got off of Tez Walker a little bit, tried to go heavier on Carlos. Carlos didn't play out. 
Tez did. Uh, so that was more of a win for the pod and a loss for the article. Uh, Braylon was good, but I didn't play him because we switched out once. We did get it right when ETN was out. Uh, yeah. Montrell Johnson was very good. I think you played more Montrell and I played more LaQuint Allen. I played them together in most lineups. And Allen was serviceable, but I'm fairly certain that you just game stacked the heck out of that LSU-Missouri game. And that was where all the money was won. The Kansas game didn't shoot out like I expected it to. Although, if you told me before the weekend started that Kansas was going to score 51 points, I would have said, awesome, we're playing Bean, I I won. (laughs) And Bean ended up with 91 yards passing, which still sticks in my craw. And somehow they ran for 600 (laughs) yards and Bean had... 16 so little negative touchdown variance there but it is what it is and and you move on to the next slate and you see what you got now yeah just so I, I had two lineups that finished in the top um 500 one of them finished at 107 overall uh that lineup was uh Jane Daniels with Brian Thomas I wish I'd have gone Malik neighbors probably would have been even higher there or definitely would have been a lot higher obviously I would have had to find some salary somewhere um I had Cook the Missouri quarterback with the receiver burden there that hit uh I had Devin Neal at Kansas and I paid up for Trey Benson who had a 40 point game and then my two very cheap options Mason Taylor the tight end at LSU who had a touchdown put up 12 on four receptions and then uh Tez Walker with a 10 at minimum salary was plenty enough to get me there. So, um, you know, if you were curious, that was it. I, I just kind of stacked that LSU Missouri game and uh, decided to go with at least one lineup with a Trey Benson in it. And it, and it ended up work out in my favor there. Yeah. He went off and it was really, uh, he really did situation. it on two carries. I mean, he had one 60 something oh, yard yeah. carry and one eighty five yard carry and that'll do it. Yeah. And Neil did something similar. I believe he had a 75 yard carry, but uh, we'll, we'll touch on Neil a little bit later. as a, Segway. Yeah, I like that. I, I mentioned my picks went five and five, and I like to look back at them, be, not in, in a little more detail because it's important to kind of understand what we learned in college football the week before as we head into next week. Uh, I think maybe the thing that a lot of people learned that we talked about last week was Oklahoma looks pretty legit. Uh, felt like they had a lot of clutch performances, both on defense and then obviously the big drive at the end to win it against Texas. Uh, we were both pretty in on Oklahoma last week. Yeah, we mentioned that a lot of what we were hearing from people around us was how Texas was going to win this game and it wouldn't be particularly close and that Oklahoma was fraudulent and like they have been in years past. And we were pretty staunch on the fact that Oklahoma had showed a lot more than we expected. Yeah, we saw they could win it in different ways. And Venables is not Lincoln Riley. It's just the team's got a little bit more of an edge it feels like then then i would say that even a team like usc has that riley's kind of been for a while now it just feels like um oklahoma's playing with a little bit of that i don't even want to call it sec edge in the big 12 but it, it's they certainly aren't playing like it feels like everyone else is this is too early to say but when do we get to the point that we have a brady belichick situation on our hands that it's venable sweeney I like that. I like that because Dabo, I mean, yeah, I, I'm curious because that they've they've been better than I expected. But, I mean, they still might end up at a four or five loss team here and Venables could be college football playoff contention at the end of the year. I mean, I, I think there's a good conversation to be had there. That's an off-season chatter right there. Well, maybe we'll sharpen the off-season. We'll get there. One thing I do want to touch on, the LSU-Missouri game that we haven't already touched on, uh, LSU's offense is 
clearly one of the best in the country. I don't I don't think it's really that hard. Jaden Daniels was uh, busted his ribs in this game, missed the end of one drive where he probably should have, he did have a touchdown. He had two rushing touchdowns taken off the board in this game, which um, I know you and I were both pissed about for DFS reasons, but he missed the he he scored a rushing touchdown on uh, they called a holding, took it back, and he took a late hit in the end zone after he scored on the rushing touchdown that ended up cracking his ribs. It seemed like or um, some kind yeah, of the, the other one was the brotherly shove, and he was. He was four yards deep, and they called it short. His pants were in the end zone. Like, everything was in the end zone. And you had a direct line of sight down the line, and they didn't challenge it. And then next thing you know, Diggs got the touchdown. Yeah, so that that hurt on DFS numbers. But, I mean, Daniels, to me, looks – I've talked about it on a couple podcasts. He just feels like a Heisman guy at this moment. It just feels – it feels like RG3's Heisman season, where I don't think LSU is particularly good. But it's, I mean, the numbers are going to be stupid. They've been on the road. They've played the toughest part of their season. They've been on the road with tough games all over the place. And now they got five of six at home against kind of nobody really good. Alabama's the only one, and that's the road game. It's one of those situations where the defense is a benefit to his Heisman campaign. Yeah, They're so bad that he has to put up these monster numbers. Now, realistically, your Heisman front runner is going to come out of a game that we're going to preview here in a bit. Correct. Yeah. And it's going to be one of those two guys and we'll get there. Uh, Maryland came up a half point short against Ohio state and that, that sucked. Uh, I think they were up 17 with like four minutes to go and Ohio state kicked a field goal to make it 20. And I was like, damn, 19 and a half. Oh, that's a real gun punch. They, I don't understand Ohio state right now. They're can't figure them they're out. odd. You know, I really, we, we jumped on the, I jumped, I got you on the Trianum, uh Trent bandwagon and he got what 26 carries last week ended up only turning that into 60-something yards. So Trey, Trey Henderson needs to come back, and I think he's going to play this week. Marvin Harrison returned to Marvin Harrison of old and is a monster, but McCord just cannot feed the ball around right now, and it sounds like Egbuka might miss this week. Yeah, Ohio State's been, I feel like, at home a lot as well. I feel like every time I look up, they're playing at home. Um, I'm curious how that looks when they're not. Um, other games, speaking of home and road, Pretty dead on with UCLA being the better team at home against Washington State. I, I We talked about it last week where it felt like the number didn't make a lot of sense um, because I felt like the public should have it the opposite as what it was showing. And uh, I felt UCLA was probably going to win at home, and I was surprised to see the number agreeing with me. So I went with it, and uh, they, they kind of dominated. I was shocked. I was beyond shocked. They, I've never seen Cam Ward especially this season, looks so horrible. We talked about he had no interceptions coming into that game, and he got picked off a few times in that game. It looked like Steele played well at the running back position. They were feeding him, and they just played defense and ran the football, and Moore didn't really have to do much. Yeah, it was the correct recipe for them. You know, I figured coming off the Utah uh, stinker was the last big game we had for UCLA, and they were on the road, and, and Moore played poorly. You figure them back at home, they'd look better. Um, didn't really expect it to be that bad, but yeah, I mean, the only, I mean, Washington state, one of their touchdowns was a pick six. That was like 90 yards. So, uh, could have been worse than it even was. Florida state is an interesting one for me. They, they blow out Virginia tech. Um, I'm not sure how sold I am on them being able to cover these enormous spreads. And I, I don't know. It's because they can't run the ball as well as we're used to as consistently. I mean, cause this is even a game where they put up big numbers, but it came on a cut, like I said, a couple of huge carries from Benson. Um, 
But otherwise, you know, it, they can score quickly. They just aren't covering any of the big spreads so far this year. The One of the greatest things is good teams win, great teams cover. Yeah. And this is a situation where they are a very, very talented roster. They should win games by a larger margin, I would say. It, they might just be taking their foot off the gas or not playing up to the competition because I believe they'll cover games that are close. Like uh, against yes. the games that are supposed to be close, they expand and games that aren't supposed to be close, they kind of contract and play closer games than they should. This wasn't particularly in question ever, not like the BC game was certainly. Yeah. So this seems like a situation though, where we got to see them run the football, but I would like to see them I, rather than have those big chunk plays. I would rather have seen them have 20 carries that are each eight yards a piece. Yeah, because at least then they're kind of just ripping chunks off, and it's just that's kind of what I'm looking for. Because you got to get behind, out in front of the sticks, whereas you get in those tougher games and you have those negative plays, you get behind the chains, and it, it's tougher to move the football. Yeah, I'm interested in how they look this week against Syracuse. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Alabama did the Alabama thing against AM. We talked about it uh last week. I think this is one of the games we were on opposite sides. Um, Aggies had a chance, but Jimbo kind of shelled up and 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 hunted, and and from there Alabama took the lead, and, and it just kind of was them kind of just taking the life out of the ball, and and Texas A&M just Texas A&M just not having that counter punch. The A&M pass defense is highly questionable at this point. We've seen Tyler Van Dyke shred them, and he did not look good last week. Real bad. And then we've also seen now Jalen Milrow throw for three hundred and twenty yards. So I've got to start questioning that pass defense. Now is can Joe Milton take care of take take advantage? Probably, but they're a little banged up at wide receiver. So that'll be an interesting game this week. We'll talk about that down the road too. We sure will. Yeah. Georgia finally puts together their best effort of the season, really rolled to Kentucky. I don't know what to take from it. Maybe Georgia's just figuring it out. I, I want to see them do it again because it's been six weeks of them not doing that for me to all of a sudden be like, you know what? That's what I expected. Brock Bowers is on a heater. Yeah, he's, well, that's, that helps when their best player starts just destroying people. Yeah. Yeah, I think he has three games in a row of over 130 receiving yards. So he's on the fire. I want to see if he can continue, continue to do it because he has a tendency to kind of go away in in different situations like where they just don't feed him for a week here week there but then when the big game comes around he steps up so it was nice last week in a blowout to see them go away go to him and get him involved early and often and i think that's going to be necessary if they're going to want to get where they want to go yeah last one louisville appears to be a team that could be on the path to going somewhere i didn't quite expect um i liked them last week against notre dame but they really kind of rolled them it was a pretty pretty wide margin surprisingly i think the cardinals appear legit with a real shot to make the acc title game because their schedule is wide open and and notre dame continues to be disappointing notre dame has been a disappointment they looked disappointing last week hartman still doesn't look right compared to the first couple games of the year where we felt he looked exactly like sam hartman we need that rib back he's got it he can put (laughs) it back in yeah yeah (laughs) So Estime was a major disappointment to me the last week. And Jawar Jordan was a very impressive because that's not an easy run defense. And, oh, boy, did he look good. 
Yeah, Louisville seems to just be getting better as the weeks go along. Their schedule is very soft here at the end in terms of conference games. I believe Miami is the only one on their schedule that I think really has a pulse. Um, so that that's a we're we're setting up for an interesting end of the ACC season here. So um, we'll see how that goes. Switching to this week's games, um, I've got nine for you this week that I'm interested in. The article obviously has ten. I left one of them out because. I, I'm not even going to try to sit here on a Wednesday and handicap whatever in the hell is going on at NC State and Duke. You tell me what's going on with Riley Leonard, and I'll figure it out from there. Um, first game is going to be an, an ACC game. It's Syracuse plus 17.5 at Florida State. Um, Syracuse could not have looked worse the last two weeks. They made Cade Klubnick look pretty good. Um, Schrader's looked okay, if I could even call it that. I know I just said Florida State's had issues covering big spreads. I don't think 17 and a half is the 27 and a half they've been trying to cover lately. Um, I I like the Knowles to throw it pretty good here. This maybe is a Keon Coleman game for me. It's definitely a Coleman game. It's going to come down to if Johnny Wilson plays. That makes things a lot more interesting. I think yep. Wilson, if involved, will be heavily involved probably more than Coleman in this instance they are an interesting team I watched a good bit of that game because I wanted to see Tez Walker last week and Syracuse just looked horrible against a bad run defense so I don't quite understand the usage they didn't even try to throw the ball to LaQuint Allen Schrader just kind of looked like he was under pressure at all times so that makes me nervous going into this I don't know that I feel particularly confident in Syracuse right now. I would like to feel decent about them because I thought this would be an interesting matchup for him to take advantage of as a Jaden Daniels version of a quarterback, but they just seem, something seems off now that Gadsden's gone for the season. Yeah, they just don't appear to have anything. It just looked like, because like last week, like you mentioned, they they made the one drive where LaQuint Allen kind of made his worth, got the touchdown, and I was like, okay, they're in it now. They'll get a stop. We'll see the drive right back. And um, that just never happened. It, it, it just was UNC stacking points on them. Um, you know, I, I've been talking about this stretch being a get right stretch for Florida State. They came out of the bye with Virginia Tech and now they get Syracuse. Uh, it, it just feels like a great spot for them once again. Yeah, I, would, I think laying the points is well worth it in this situation. You called this one the, uh, we'll find out who the Heisman frontrunner is, and I can't really argue with it. It's number eight, Oregon, plus three and a half at number seven, Washington. Um, Michael Penix versus Bo Nix, and that's the top billing. Obviously, Washington is the home team here. I think game day is going to this one. Um, it's it's the game of the week, and I, I personally think Oregon might be a more complete team, even though I might like Washington's offense a little more. I think Washington's offense is slightly more advanced from a pass game standpoint. The run game clearly favors Oregon to me. I do not trust Dylan Johnson as much as I trust Bucky Irving. He's a more diverse running back. They're both good pass catchers. Both can run the ball. The backfield's just deeper at Oregon and more talented. Penix has been playing well. We didn't see a great Penix game last time out, but... This is a different level and a different situation, but I think Bo Nix is just slightly better. And I I would side with the Oregon defense as being a more stout unit overall than the Washington defense. That's where I'm at. I, I've been inclined in this Pac-12 season to go with home team. It, it's worked 
pretty much in all of them. Um, but where I end up is Oregon, I believe to be the best team of the group run game and defense travels. Um, and I, I like Oregon for the same reason you mentioned. I just think it's a more complete team, slightly better edge at quarterback, slightly better running back, running game, slightly better defense. I just like to check all those boxes and it, it just keeps coming up ducks. Yeah, and this game's got a 67 and a half over under. Uh 35, 32 and a half is the projected <laughs> or roughly the projected. Now you have it three and a half. But the game last year was in Oregon. And it was 37-34 Washington. Hmm. Interesting. So I think they try to repay the favor here. Yeah, I mean, do we see back-to-back Washington win? I mean, look, whoever wins this sets themselves up, obviously, as the team to beat in the Pac-12. The team angling for the potential berth that conference gets. But there's a lot of good teams. So even getting through this one, you've still got – a, a lot of work to do to go there. It's not like the ACC schedules that um, kind of open wide up that you still probably have USC's and Oregon states, Washington states and those sort of teams. Sir, I, you missed Utah. <laughs> Utah as well. Yeah. My voice died on me there. So apologies to Utah as I couldn't no longer speak. Yeah. It's a tough scene. You know, PAC 12 to me right now has been the most enjoyable conference to watch yeah. And it's actually kind of surprising, but I thoroughly enjoyed staying up till 1.30 in the morning watching Arizona last week play USC in a game they should have won. Well, we'll get to USC in a second. I do want to go to Texas A&M at number 19 Tennessee, a game you talked about earlier. I'm totally at a loss what to do here. I don't think A&M, like you mentioned, A&M's past defense has been anything good. I talked about last week, I don't trust the quarterback Max Johnson to do much of anything. But I certainly don't look at Tennessee and feel confident in their ability to do anything even. Yeah, I'm not trusting Bazooka Joe. Uh, he can throw it a mile, but I don't think he could hit the broadside of a barn, which is kind of the concern. Now, granted, I would say the same thing about Jalen Milrow. So if they can make Jalen Milrow look that efficient as a passer, and clearly Miami after last week, Georgia Tech just dominated Van Dyke. I don't know what happened there. So they made him look very competent as a passer as well. This maybe maybe A and M's just the get right spot for every quarterback, but I don't think Tennessee's gonna be able to run the football on them. That's for sure. Yeah, I like A and M. That's where I've ended up. That's what I've chosen. I like this receiver skill group better. It's kind of where, and I, I even if I don't like Johnson, I trust uh, Aeneas Smith. I, I I trust Stewart. I, I like that group better to just be the ones that make enough plays. Three and a half, I'll take it. I think overall A and M has a better chance to be able to score via both the pass and the run in this football game, whereas Tennessee is going to have to be more one-dimensional, but all name team Squirrel White will show up, and he can get deep and get loose. And and let's not make any mistakes about it. I do not like Texas A&M. They're one of my least favorite teams in the country. If I could pick against them every week, I would. I, I just have a hard time doing it this week. I am beyond curious, your idea here. Number 23, Kansas. Minus three and a half at Oklahoma State. I'll just give you the floor because I don't know what to do with it. So I've actually looked a lot into this game because I was really confused looking at it too. I was shocked that Oklahoma State was projected to score as many points as they are. I was shocked that the line was this close because I feel like Kansas deserves a little bit more respect right now. 
but Oklahoma State's actually played okay. I watched them last week against Kansas State, and I was like, oh, like this is a game where I think Kansas State probably blows them out. Will Howard's been playing good ball. DJ Giddens playing good ball. Former Noel Treshawn Ward came back and ruined my DJ Giddens shares. (laughs) Um, but Philip Brooks, like they have really good weapons at Kansas State and Oklahoma State hung in that game. So I was very impressed. They finally stopped with the nepotism of Gunnar Gundy and went full time to Alan Bowman, who he has been terrible in multiple previous stops. So they, they wish they had Spencer Sanders. We trash talked them for not having Spencer Sanders. And I'll no matter what, I'm never going to be able to get out of my brain how much South Alabama dominated this Oklahoma state team earlier this year. I ended up on Kansas. It seemed Bean starting this game and, and per all accounts, again, we're here on a Wednesday, but, but from all accounts, it's going to be Bean again. Um, you didn't even use him last week. Like didn't you said, to. didn't need to. It just feels like Kansas is actually a good football team. As good as I think or Oklahoma State is coming on, um, I, I'm going to end up going with Kansas, and I'm going to like the three and a half, even on the road. So there's going to be something coming up that I'm going to talk about in the running back section that uh, that might sway you even further to Kansas based off of what happened last year. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. The game I'm heading to this week, and again, the reason part of the reason we're doing this on a Wednesday night, uh, number 11 or t- number 11 Auburn Ooh. is plus 11 and a half at number 22 LSU um I just I, I... was that their Auburn's SEC Auburn. ranking that yeah you that's going their SEC for? ranking I, think. Okay. I just I looked at the spread number and I said it out <laughs> loud Auburn is terrible on offense I think they might be one of the five worst offenses in the country um they just they they can't throw the ball at all and i don't and they use peyton thorn who's like a mediocre runner like like even if you watch the nfl like if you're an nfl fan and you look at daniel jones and you're like that guy's a runner he's not even that like he's he's i their whole offense just i don't know what it is i, I don't know what they're trying to do they basically the only time they moved the ball against georgia outside of the two turnovers was they had one read option really was was, i guess more of a qb boot off of a play action but and that was it it was just a a qb counter i guess that just hit for 60 um but lsu's defense sucks we've talked about it for three weeks now and and so it's just will auburn get in its own way and stop itself or will lsu help them score touchdowns like I, i i don't even know what to do with that side of the ball yeah, I, I'm curious because that's going to end up being on the night slate, and I'm sure it's going to be on the FanDuel main slate. So what do you do? Like, is there even a guy on the Auburn offense that you can feel comfortable playing? Obviously, it can't be a quarterback. There's no way we're going to play a quarterback because they split the quarterback reps to some extent. Is so it Jarquez Hunter? They are coming off a bye. Um, so I'm curious what changes they've made. Having watched Auburn, my wife went to Auburn. And for any of you who are curious, the headline of this article this week is uh, College Football Week 7 DFS Picks and Podcast, colon, I hate my wife. Um, so that's why. Uh, I've watched Auburn three or four times this year. I don't know why they just don't start Robbie Ashford. He's a better uh, how, runner. He's a better runner. 
And how much worse can he be throwing the ball? Because when they played the A&M, they had four or five wide open shots and Thornton just flatly missed them. And it's not like they were like 40 yard throws or something. He had a guy 15, 20 yards down the field with all the green space in the world. And he'd throw the ball over the head out of bounds. It's just, I don't know. I'm really interested to see what happens on that side of the ball because I get Auburn's defense has played well. I just don't think there's any slowing down LSU as this run game has really come on with, I think, over 100 yards from Diggs three weeks in a row now. How did Michigan State have a winning record with Peyton Thorne? Keon Coleman is all I can keep coming up with. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's all I've got. Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed, too. <laughs> that hat helps. I don't know. I, I mean, it. he's just looked so bad at Auburn in their game. At Cal, he looked terrible. Uh, against Georgia, he looked the best. He's looked, and they scored only off of turnovers. I, I just I just can't have any faith in them. Um, on the road, night game, sold out, Tiger Stadium. I'm just going to lay the 11 and a half and assume LSU's offense can turn any spread that's two, under two scores into a into a cover. I, a bit of a last. concern from the Auburn side too is it seemed like in the second half last week LSU finally started to take a lot more off of Harold Perkins' plate and just said line up and rush. And I believe he had three sacks in the second half last week. Yeah, they seem to have. So they brought in Pete Jenkins, the defensive line coach. He's who's retired and unretired as LSU's D line coach like four times. He's 82. Um, but they made adjustments adjustments on a D line. They talked about uh, yesterday where they moved the defensive line closer to the offensive line. They were playing maybe a yard or two off the ball. Not anymore. That's what they brought him in for. That's what they did. Hey, take one step forward. Um, But it's opening up more space for the guys to actually, like Harold Perkins, just shoot to the quarterback. There was just too much time to give the quarterbacks windows. They pushed up a little bit last week, and you saw Harold Perkins come alive. Um, If that's the adjustment they needed and LSU's defense starts to figure it out, this really is a scary team because the offense is just that good. They played pretty good in the second half last week against Missouri. They played First good half enough. Was terrible. First half second was half was second half. They were decent. They were decent enough. It felt like Missouri had one real sustained drive in that late in that game. Yeah. But other than that, it was it was pretty much an improved defense. Now we're going to get a false flag reading this week because if Auburn doesn't score much, um, it's not the LSU defense. It's the Auburn offense. This is chicken and the egg. I'm still going with they're both. They're both from the same animal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how this one plays out because I, I have no confidence in either group doing their job correctly. Uh, this game is certainly interesting. Number 25, Miami, plus three and a half at number 12, UNC. We talked about it earlier. Miami had what I believe to be one of the worst losses that I can think of in the last decade in college football. Um, winning chance to take a knee with under 40 seconds left to win the game fumbling and Miami fans the one of you that are listening I can hear you screaming he wasn't he was down it's not a fumble just take the knee bro like just take the knee um, it's right up there with the last time Cristobal did it when he did the same thing in Oregon yeah it's it's a dumbfounding loss you have players on the sideline on the sky cam mouthing what the bleep are we doing uh, it's I can't imagine this game does not snowball into another loss. I just don't see how you show up Monday morning and are like, all right, let's crack open that North Carolina film and you're locked in and you're not just like annoyed and to to get up and go on the road after a gut punch loss. You were unbeaten competing for the uh, ACC. You're in the ACC picture. All the unranked, all the uh, undefeated teams are on your schedule. 
you run the table. You're the only team that had the ability to say, we run the table we're in. You, I guess you can still say that. But you're about to head on the road against a UNC team that's getting Tez Walker back and ready to throw some punches. Yeah, and then they looked extremely good last week. Pesor had a nice, really nice long catch. I don't know if you got to see that. The ball was thrown like three feet behind him. He tipped it up in the air and caught it with his other hand. On the run, never broke stride and went 75 to the house. Drake May May to have more guys who make great catches. Drake May looked really good last week. They ran the ball well, have a real nice one-two punch with British Brooks and Omarion Hampton. Defense actually looked really good last week. I've seen too many games where Van Dyke has not looked good. Jacoby George was in and out of the lineup last week. being in, uh, He was injured versus various points in that game. Same thing with uh, Colby Young. It looked like he was just leaning on Restrepo. Every time I looked, it was Restrepo, Restrepo, Restrepo. I'm a Mac Brown guy. I don't like UNC overall. I never liked the color scheme. But at the end of the day, my Mac Brown love's going to override it. I'm with UNC, too. I'll lay the three and a half and just assume Miami snowballs this one. The best game they looked all year was A&M. And like we talked about, A&M secondary, maybe they're just suspect. And maybe Miami isn't quite that good just yet because Georgia Tech sure gave them hell last week. And that and it was weird because, like, if you look at the success rating, Miami outplayed them a ton. They just couldn't finish drops. They couldn't score touchdowns and against Georgia Tech they should be able to do that that should be a team you can do it against and that's where I worry you head out on the road against the UNC team where if you don't finish a couple of them not if you don't finish any of them just if you don't finish a couple of them North Carolina ends up running away from yeah it's easy to do especially with Carolina being able to move the football the way they can and if they just can play enough defense or you make enough mistakes and I think we've seen that Van Dyke can make plenty of mistakes uh, next game is one we kind of teased as well earlier. Number 10, USC, plus two and a half at number 21, Notre Dame. Uh, as disappointing as Notre Dame has been, um, USC maybe as disappointing. Um, you wished they had bolstered the defense some, which appears to have not happened at all. Um, it just seems like. Caleb, go score as many points as you can, and hopefully it's enough. And I, I don't feel super confident that on the road, um, Notre Dame doesn't finish this one off. This feels like a situation where, yes, we saw both teams kind of not play their best ball last week. Notre Dame yep. hasn't played their best ball for a few weeks after they just put everything into that Ohio State game. I think everybody's going to think that Notre Dame's not going to be able to do it classic turn back spot where they can go, okay, we're going to plant our flag. We need to beat this team. We're at home. We're finally back. And let's just run the football, get back to what we do best. I would prefer to side with a good defense playing a great offense than a bad defense playing an okay offense. Like an okay offense can score the bad defense can make a play every once in a while. And Caleb's not been, he's been prone to a mistake here or there. They just have had some issues where they, they, they specifically in that Arizona game early on, they were struggling to hit the big play and they don't particularly run the ball very well. It's kind of been Caleb around the goal line playing Josh Allen. 
but they've been able to throw the ball and, and spread it around. Notre Dame's got some playmakers on the outside. I know we're going right back to Notre Dame. I I, I was on them last week, and I feel terrible I was not. about this. I know. I'm going to go back to Notre Dame. I, I'm, back, this is, I'm back on them. This is a bush-push game. It's usually a close game. Yeah, well, so where I end up is Notre Dame back at home. They just played the last two on the road. The last time they were at home was the Ohio State game. Correct. The, the fan base gets two weeks to take a deep breath, put it behind them, and then rally for a top-10 game against a rival. So there's that. Um, and at some point here, Sam Hartman has to get the feather in his hat win, right? Like, he's not just going to go out there and just get handled at home in all the big games. I, I just – I get that that means really nothing in the grand scheme of, of analytics and analyzing a football game. Um but he's also just not going to go and give you nothing in all the games. He has to put one together, and if it's not against the reigning Heisman winner out on, with a terrible defense, I don't know when you're going to get the Sam Hartman game. I think this game's going to come down to me. I need to see a picture of the field, and if it looks like my yard after three days of rain and three days of sun <laughs> during the middle of summer, I'm going Notre Dame, and if that thing looks like a fast track, give me USC. Well, I did see USC uh, was practicing earlier this week with the water guns on punt punt returns because it's supposed to be a wet game this weekend um so yeah i mean if it's a wet cold game in in uh south bend uh, sign me up for the running game of notre dame i'll do it yeah i'll take estimate to be able to run it down their throat yeah last one here for me number 18 ucla we talked about earlier plus four and a half at oregon state uh as i mentioned before my philosophy with the pac-12 this year has just been give me the home team i don't particularly like dj I also don't particularly like Dante Moore on the road. So I'm just going to go with DJ minus four and a half at home and go with that. Yeah, I'm taking Oregon State. DJ looked really good last week, had five touchdowns passing. I was shocked at one point. I believe he left the game and came back because I was real confused. I was like, oh, great, because uh, that was a late, late nights late last week. And I had a USC uh, Arizona double stack. I basically stacked the crap out of that game and had a little bit of um, – Damian Martinez of Oregon State in there. And that was uh, DJ was pretty owned over the Arizona quarterback. And then DJ ended up throwing for five touchdowns. Now I still do came it. back. I still t- I still came back. We, you know, Jacob Cowan came back and he got hurt early. Fafita came out and looked good. So Fafita ended up dominating that game. So that ended up working out, but DJ looked good. Yeah, if DJ looks good and DJ is at home, I like Corvallis. I like that. That just seems to be the approach this year in the pick in the Pac-12. It's worked so for me so far, and I'm, I'm not going to change it. I, I mean, then again, I'm also sitting here and telling you I'm taking Oregon over Washington, even though they're at home. But I just think Oregon's the only is the best team in that conference um, right now. Right. No pressure on you this week, uh, but it's a big main slate for the DFS window. Yeah, we're getting the mini uh, miniature. Max, basically, of the middle of the year tournament, the big boy 100K for first place this week. We don't get the million dollars a week like the NFL does. So this is our chance to try to take a big boy down. Yeah. And uh, so what's the play here? You're, you're, you've are you're got a giant pot, but it is $20 to enter. Where normally I'm putting in like three, four dollars a lineup, but you're looking at 20 a spot. So how are you managing this? Probably fewer lineups. Oh, yeah, we're we're taking I'm going single bullet. There's 150 max entry. I'm going single bullet this week on this thing. I'm going <laughs> to continue to play cash, continue to play the good stuff, try to keep building our bankroll. 
And, you know, eventually maybe we'll be able to enter that thing multiple times, but I'm going to tend to lean on the conservative side. And I tend to do better if I try to put together one lineup rather than putting together so many iterations of it. Try to focus on the best version of your lineup. So what is the best version of your lineup this week? Who do you like at quarterback? Well, this week we're looking to differentiate. We're looking for upside. We're trying to go a little bit off the board and to start out, we're going to go towards Cincinnati and get Emory Jones at 7,300. Most of us recognize that name from Florida and Yuck. Arizona State. Uh, much more positive when he was at Florida and much more negative when he was at Arizona State. He's rebounded at Cincinnati this year. Looks good. Super senior. And I think everybody's going to this Penix Knicks matchup. I think a lot of people are going to want to double stack that. That's going to be extremely difficult with them both being 10 north of 10 K. And I'm going to get the Knicks here in a minute. Cause I, I do prefer him. I want rushing upside and that's where I'm looking for. That's what I get out of Emory Jones in this situation, 10 to 20 carries a game so far this year. 26 and a half point team total isn't too far off of what we're looking for. I like to try to get it above 30 total. So that gives us at least three touchdown upside. And Iowa State has not had the best uh, track record so far this year of giving up points. Namely, Dylan Gabriel, 366 and three through the air, 37 and two on the ground. That's a fabulous game. We're not going to see that type of air production out of Emory Jones, although he's got 250 and two in his wheelhouse. But I'm looking for the 100 yard bonus rushing, and I'm thinking we can get multiple touchdowns there. Alan Bowman of Oklahoma State, not a notable name, 278 and two with his own rushing touchdown. 58 yards rushing to Curtis Rourke of Ohio. He's not a mobile quarterback. So I think we're looking to get something out of Emory Jones this week, who has performed pretty well this year. He had 100 yards rushing in uh, in a game already this year and a five-touchdown passing game. So we've got some upside. Do you have any fears, the, the new Big 12 teams, the Cincinnati, UCF, uh, BYU and is it Houston is the other one? Yeah. Um, have struggled against the, I guess, traditional Big 12 teams. Any fear there, although Iowa State's been bad? Oh, I have fear of it, but we got to risk it for the biscuit this week. And there's not <laughs> a lot of guys that give you a hundred yard rushing upside with two touchdowns on the ground while also throwing for 250 which he had a similar, he had a similar game last week, but he played BYU. So like you said, he hasn't, he doesn't have that track record. Now I'm betting also on a guy though, who has survived and thrived on an SEC schedule before. And he played ahead of Anthony Richardson. We've seen Anthony Richardson look good in the NFL. Now, Emory Jones isn't nearly going to be an NFL quarterback, but in this sense, he could be a very productive college quarterback. Why do you like Bonix over Michael Penix? Rushing upside. I, I have to go with that. Penix is not a rusher. He's never really been a rusher. Uh, he's more, especially since, mainly since his ACL injury. So he was more mobile at Indiana when he first got there. But once he blew his knee out, moved on to Washington, he hasn't been, he's more been a Philip Rivers left-handed. He has that odd throwing motion. Knicks has more upside from that standpoint. Penix is going to throw for more yards, 
I just like Knicks to be more touchdown oriented and I like no, no Oregon in this game. And I think Knicks has 50 yard rushing upside where Penix probably it remember sacks count against you. So Penix could throw for 400 yards probably will, but I think he could easily lose 20 yards rushing. So that's negative two points. Whereas Knicks could get positive five points. So I think the yardage difference through the air gets made up with Knicks on the ground with his legs. And specifically this game last year was interesting. Uh, Knicks had 280 and two with 55 and a touch on the ground. Whereas Penix threw for 408 and two, and he did have 20 yards rushing, but most of that was on one carry. So that's interesting actually going forward to think about that. I think this game's going to shoot out and it's going to make it so that you just got to pick which one you like better. They're $200 difference. If you wanted, you could easily do one in one lineup, one in the other lineup. Is that, do you have any interest in double stacking or is it just kind of leave that to others? I feel like that's going to be difficult to do because the weapons in that game, they're both over 10 K the weapons in that range are expensive as well. They're all seven to eight K range. So they're going to be hard to get in with these guys. You might be able to do one 10 K quarterback and then two of the wide receivers, but I think you're going to find it difficult on DraftKings to get both guys in at 10 K. That's going to be, it's a 60k salary so you're looking at uh, you know what a third of your yeah it's yeah. a third no 50k so it's 40 percent of your salary, of salary on two, two spots that's too much i can't do that you gotta pay you gotta pick one or the other to me i don't i think you're sacrificing way too much there's not enough value to to do that now any concern on the run game stealing any any of these scores for Bo Nix? We talked about the run game maybe being better for Oregon on Bucky Irving uh, than on the Washington side. Oh, certainly. I think Bucky Irving could steal some of those, that work, but Bo does throw the ball to Bucky Irving. And with the amount of touchdowns scored in this game, I don't think you're going to see Bucky end up with three rushing touchdowns. You're looking at maybe two. I think you might see two rushing between uh, Bucky and Jordan James. Now, Jordan James, interesting play this week, too, if you wanted to differentiate. Uh, that would be a good bring back option for uh, muted price, especially now that Whittington is out for the season. Interesting. Who else do you like at running back? Or who are so, your actual plays you're recommending as well? Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of guys that like it running back. The problem's going to be narrowing them down. So we're going to Le'Veon Moss, 5,300, Texas A&M. Texas A&M started with a very murky backfield, to say the least, to start the year. I was more on Rashad Owens, the freshman. Moss has taken hold of this backfield. In the last three weeks, he has 15 to 20 carries in each game. And ultimately for the role, 5,300 is too cheap. 100 yards and a touchdown is something that I think we can see. And the Tennessee defense has been vulnerable against the better competition they faced. Mario Anderson from South Carolina in limited carries had 101 yards and a touchdown. That was bolstered by a 75-yard run. But the point being, you know, we saw that last week with uh, with Trey Benson. Right. Trey Benson yeah. hit off some long runs. So Moss can do something similar. 
And more importantly, Trevor Etienne of Florida, who missed last week and benefited us with Montreal Johnson, he had 172 yards and a touchdown against Tennessee. Le'Veon Moss might not get that far into this, but I think that them keeping it away from Joe Milton and that offense will be important. And especially if we the game goes in the script that we believe it will, they're going to want to choose some clock and hold on to the football to keep their defense off the field and keep their offense on it. You have another play. You mentioned you really like Kansas, and this is the reason. So explain to me why Kansas. Yeah, Devin Neal has been a monster all season. He's been very good every single week. He had an 85-yard touchdown run last week, broke my heart when it wasn't my guy, Jason Bean. I was singing bean time all week um, and then only to get lit up. And like I mentioned about the South Alabama game, LaDamian Webb went for 151 yards and two touchdowns on this same team. So I've got to like a road favorite with a 30-point team total and a backup quarterback. They did it last week at home against UCF. They just said, all right, well, we got a backup quarterback in. We know we can run the ball on you, and we're just going to run it at will. And Neal's scored seven touchdowns in six games. He's averaging over 100 a game right now. And this was the thing that I wanted to tell you about. So last season, I just happened to look this up, and it immediately swayed me to Neal. Last season, they played Oklahoma State. Devin Neal's stat line, now Daniel Hishaw was out for this game. Devin Neal's stat line, 32 carries, 224 yards, one touchdown, and then six catches for 110 yards. That would be 334 yards of offense and a touchdown. That worked earlier this year in the Kansas-Texas game, too. We did that with, uh, was it Jonathan Brooks? We did that with Jonathan Brooks, who went for 252-1. and So I just have this sneaking suspicion that maybe he just likes playing against them. Uh, I'm I'm not going to argue with it that that's – I just dropped him into the lineup I'm building right now, uh, and I'm staring at receivers. So who do you recommend at receiver? Receiver's going to get kind of interesting. You need to play probably a guy from this Washington-Oregon game at least, maybe two. Jalen Polk is a good option at 6,100. He's played very well as the third option. Now you need to also take into consideration that Jalen McMillan's been out the – 1A, 1B receiver of Washington. He's been out for the last couple weeks. He will return for this game. Uh, Roma Dunze is the bigger guy uh, receiver in that offense. He will play, and he has been a monster, and he's been playing as the 1A. Polk played as the 1B when McMillan was out. McMillan's back. So if you end up seeing the numbers being a little juiced for like a Jeremy Bernard, he's the 4 I don't think you're going to see him play nearly as much. It's going to be three wide receiver sets with McMillan, Polk, and Odunze. McMillan's very good. Odunze's very good. They just trade good games. McMillan had eight for 102 or 122 last year against Oregon in that game. On the Oregon side, it's a lot more condensed. You've got Troy Franklin, five for 139 and touchdown against this Washington team last year. And then you're really kind of stuck to. Terrence Ferguson as a dart throw and our guy, uh, was it Tez Johnson? Tez Johnson, yeah. Yeah, so Tez Johnson is the number two. Really, this game, this passing game is more, and, and Gary Bryant as a dart throw, but they, they, none of them you're as confident in as 
Franklin. Franklin is the clear number one, and then Bo's going to spread it out a little bit more, whereas Penix kind of keeps it to those three guys, and those three guys are going to get all the catches, and he's going to throw for more yards. He's going to have more pass attempts, more completions. So it's a little bit just of a different style. If if well, I'll save this for the end. What what else you got at receiver? So I'm looking at a guy that I liked last year. He ended up breaking his arm in fall camp last year. Came back, missed the entire season, just kept being banged up. We're looking at Jaden Bray out of Oklahoma State for 4900. It's a nice price tag on a guy who's now the number one wide receiver, the focal point in this offense. We mentioned Alan Bowman. Uh, surprisingly getting on track now. And he's been throwing the ball pretty well. Dejon Stribling, the transfer out of Washington State, is now out for the season. He was going to be the number one guy. That elevated Bray. Bray had nine targets last week, four catches and 77 yards. I feel pretty good about a sub-5K wide receiver that's gotten four to five catches in every game. I believe his role will go up. And over the last two games, the vulnerability of the Kansas defense has been the deep threat. Javon Baker of UCF had four for 85. Now they, I believe, were hindered by the fact that I believe they expected Plumlee to play. Plumlee started that game, came out immediately, and they had to go back to McLean. McLean never really found his footing. They were running the ball well. Even into the fourth quarter, they ran the ball well. They just could never get the pass game under unlocked. But a more telling story comes from Texas. Texas has two deeper threats, Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Adonai Mitchell went 10 for 141 and 1. Worthy had 7 for 93 against this Oklahoma State team or Kansas team. So I believe that Bray can find similar success because they're going to have to concern themselves with the run game again because they've struggled with the run game. That's where Ollie Gordon comes in as a decent play. If he finds the end zone in a game where they project for 27 points, you're probably looking at 15 to 20 points. And at 15 to 20 points, that's more than three to four X value. And it's really what we're looking to pay off. Um, I like that one. I just slotted into my lineup as well. You've got one more. I got one more. So this is kind of a play where I was trying to get off of Isaiah Williams. Uh, We talked about him previously of Illinois. He's a target monster. I believe he's also a good play this week, but they have a low team total at 18 points. And I don't have a ton of confidence playing against uh, Maryland. So is it Maryland? Yeah, it's Maryland. And so I'm looking at Jalen Noel at Iowa state for 5,100. All the pass catchers, and those other games are very good. Marvin Harrison, great play. Noel brings an interesting dynamic for us playing against Cincinnati, where we get the bring back for Emory Jones, and he's the most targeted player on the roster at 10 targets per game. He regularly catches seven to eight passes per game. He has only cleared 50 yards once this year, but those seven to eight catches give us a nice floor of eight points, even if it was 50 yards that's 13 so we're only two points off of being able to get 3x value and he's not particularly an end zone threat but he can score some touchdowns here and there and realistically he has a game against Oklahoma State earlier this year where he went eight for 146 and one so there is the potential for him to really blow it out and that's a 28 point game or well, no, it's 31 because of the three-point bonus. So that's a 31-point game 
That's our upside. So our floor is 15, our upside's 31. If we get 31 out of 5,100, that's now 6x value, and we've got tournament winning upside here. I uh, I just locked him in as what I'm looking at as my uh, my different lineup here, as, as what I guess I'm going to call this one. Um, I have two ideas I want to run by. Well, I'll, I'll run by a couple names for you, and then I'll come back with, with my hand hairbrained ideas. Uh, so I went with Emory Jones and I went with Bo Nix as on your recommendations. I went with Moss and I went with Neil on your recommendations. I went with Bray and then I ended up on Polk on your recommendation here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leaves me with a decent amount of change here. Uh, two spots, 4,800 apiece. Okay. One name I am interested in because I saw it on the slate and was curious. Uh, this player, he, he he was someone that I was curious what his number has been and, and where it is now. Uh, and that is Jake Johnson, Texas A&M tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say he's heavily involved. He's clocking in in the threes. And he's getting near goal line targets. Uh, he was tackled at the one, I believe, last week or, or the week before, and he scored a touchdown the other two weeks since Max has taken over this job. Um, they're brothers. Obviously, that's not really something that, again, matters in the grand scheme of things. But I, I don't mind a tight end who might score a touchdown in the 3,000 range. He's 3,800 hey, if you're searching. That's the breakfast narrative. You know, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible logic. But here I am. I mean, that that is interesting, though. I think that that could be an option. Certainly, there's a few guys that are interesting right now in the lower tier. So Illinois, uh, both their top running backs are out. Love and McCray. So Fagan gets the play at forty five hundred. Uh, he'll get to start. That makes him an interesting option. He had three catches last week, so PPR ended up. Uh, that was against Nebraska, of course. So that's not. <laughs> and again, ideal. they lost twenty to seven. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not the best <laughs> idea ever, but uh, it makes it interesting. Acker still four K. The guy we touted last week, he was pretty good last week. And there's really some interesting guys in that low five, like. 5K to 4,900 range on uh, that wide receiver. That's kind of where I was living, looking at stuff. So you can get exposure to that Oregon game with Gary Bryan at 5K. That's interesting. You've also got you got Bray. You got Inez Smith at 4,900. I feel like that's a very fair price tag to me uh, for him. Cade Stover of Ohio State at 4,900, another very solid player as the tight end, especially if Egbuka's out. Egbuka out, I think Marvin can catch everything, but I think they're going to also end up leaning a little bit more on Stover. So that that's always a good play. I mean, there is some cheap pieces in that Oregon game that you don't think about, like Treshawn Holden, the former Alabama player. Bernard, okay. like we did say, is the fourth guy. But like you said, it that's it's an interesting spot to be in. There's a lot better plays at 4,900. That's where that balance of like, okay, if I want to live in that 5,100 range, it just depends what it gets me. You know, that's something that I've been battling with on these shorter slates even is trying to figure out, okay, I want to play this guy at 5,400 and I don't like, I don't like the, 
you know, I don't like anybody below 4,400, right? But I need, but the $5,400 guy opens up 4,300 and I'm a hundred short, but I like that guy better than anybody, any two people that I could put together. So it's a really, it's a, that's something I've been trying to work on, right? Is what is the, what do I project out of this guy? And do I project that the other two guys can beat what I project for the two guys that I would get at the other price. And I'm trying to start taking that into a better window. I'm starting to learn that. And so far today, the UTEP wide receiver had 29 points and I played him in the three K crapper. Okay. So I'm, I'm with you. I do like Aeneas Smith, uh, the A&M receiver as well at 4,800. He has been their, their explosive guy. Um, and they're trying to get him the ball with chances to do things with it. Um, my question, I guess, to to put it in that realm, I ain't playing both Johnson and Aeneas Smith, obviously. So the question, well, no, but becomes, what I'm saying is, you can't. I I I don't even know that I feel comfortable playing Moss and Smith together. Do I really I, want two pieces out of the A and M offense? Well, I, I would be okay with Moss and Johnson because I'm not asking Johnson to do anything but like two twenty and a score. If I get that, I'm happy with it. Um, but what is my that? Question, what What does your number that's, get? That's you what I'm saying. The number that Johnson. I get back is it gets me 5,900, and I don't know what that does for me. Right, and that's where Tez, I look. That gets you Tez. Tez Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, but then my, but my question then becomes. Yeah, it becomes my flex. But if I go off of Johnson and I go to Aeneas Smith that we talked about at 4,900, that leaves me 4,800. Um, is that where I go to a Holden who's 4,600? Yeah, I, I mean, just, that's I, where it gets, I don't know where to that's go. Where it's like, that. it's one of those things that it, it's like, okay, is that the guy you know that you feel most confident in? I mean, Holden, Holden, in fairness to him, six catches, four catches, four catches last three games, so he has some semblance of upside. So, here's one for you. So, let's say I go to Smith. Right, so I go with Emery Jones, Moss, Neal, Polk, Aeneas Smith, and then I use the last two spots. I already have Bo Nix down here as well. My last two spots go to Noel at 5,100 and then Holden at 4,600. The problem awesome. there being I'm still on Smith and Moss. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. – yeah, I mean that's that's where you run into those interesting things where you're stuck on Smith and Moss. Yeah, and I don't know how to come off of either one of them. I guess if I could take if I take Polk down. Well, hang on, you have you have Bray. I don't have Bray. That's why I'm saying if Let's I take Br- Polk, if I take Polk down to Bray. Well, no, I'm saying put Bray in instead of Smith, and then you're done. I don't have the money for that. They're the same price. Oh, they are the same price. I thought it was forty eight hundred. I thought it, I thought Smith was forty eight hundred. No, they're both. Okay, 49. so I swap it to Bray. So yeah, so then I go Holden, Polk, Noel, Bray, Neil, Moss, Jones, and Nix. Yeah, that works. It's a okay. way to go. So that's that's one that I was looking at. The second one, we're talking about this Oregon Washington game being a shootout. The score is enormous. Touchdowns across the board are coming. I look at these Washington, this Washington running back, Dylan oh, Johnson, no. who I know not a damn thing about. 
He was at Mississippi State for the past two years. Not he a was damn the big, thing about him. He was the big compliment back to Joe Marks. He's a big guy. Kind of looks like A.J. Dillon, but he can catch the ball real well, and he's a lot more nimble. But he's so not played, a great runner. They've played one close game against Arizona, who was not very good. He had 16 carries for 91 and two touchdowns and five receptions for 50 yards. Oh, he can catch the ball. It's a 30-point game. He's listed at 5,800. Is there any ability or any interest in just taking the two Oregon and Washington running backs and trying to play off off the quarterbacks? If you were playing enough permutations, right, if I was playing 20 lineups, would I get to him? Yes. Would I get to him in single entry? Probably not. It's kind of a bridge too far. It's a very good game theory aspect to play, right? If everybody's on the passing attack, just pivot to the run. It's typically what I would do in NFL specifically because of the talent level is everybody's on Mahomes and Kelsey. Okay, well, I'm going Pacheco. Pacheco, yeah. I'm just going to pivot. I'm going to go completely opposite. Maybe it's something I need to do more of in showdown. I tend to be too conservative on a lot of this stuff and tend to do better when, but that's why I do so well at college football, right? NFL to me is a lot more unpredictable college football, much more predictable. So I tend to play things that are predictable instead of the unpredictable. And then I'm going to win more often than not. And I'd rather just take the wins rather than, and and every once in a while you might get perfect, but we, we've done that. But then I I just inherently play less risk. Here's another one for you. We talked about it last week a lot. Vandy's garbage. Uh, they awful. cannot stop the run. They're terrible. They've got Georgia this week. Um, the problem being Georgia's run game has been um, banged up, injured, and not something to be trusted. I guess we've played a couple of Dejon Edwards. Last game against Kentucky in the blowout, he had nine for 54, six receptions in that game. Yeah, he uh, was the third down back. He's the third down back typically. So that's why when Milton's out, Edwards is such a good play because Edwards is also their third down back, whereas when Milton's back, Milton plays early downs. Edwards plays more passing downs. So Milton was back last week, eight carries, one fewer than than, uh, Edwards and a touchdown. Do you have any interest in either one of them as a differing play? Milton checking in at 5,100, Edwards 68. Maybe Milton, not Edwards, but I doubt Milton as well. I think there's enough good running backs on the board, like an Ollie Gordon uh, at Oklahoma State. You've got, like we said, Fagan from Illinois. Uh, He's kind of the last healthy man in the backfield. And... I wouldn't go to Iowa. I wouldn't go to Cincinnati. I uh, like the matchup for Georgia. Yes, Georgia's matchup's good. I think Beck is also going to have to continue to keep going. I'm half tempted to go in on Donovan Edwards here. I think that's ridiculous. I, I'm thinking of things that are completely ridiculous, right? What is outside <laughs> the realm of possibility, but I've seen them before happen. Donovan Edwards, I've seen be amazing. And Blake Corum has been very good this year. He's kind of gotten all the touchdowns. Diamond Edwards has been terrible. I don't know what's wrong with him. There was a lot of talk that he'll go to the NFL after this year. There's no way he can go at this point. And they're playing an Indiana team that hemorrhages yards on the ground, 
5.5 a carry. They are awful. I feel like this is a get-right spot for Donovan Edwards, and it would be a shot I would take. Uh, another shot I like. I think Travion Henderson's going to be back this week, so we lose the Trayanum value. Uh, Utah. Give me Utah's, teams for these people. Oh, sorry. Trayanum's Ohio State. Okay. Travion Henderson. Utah, we get – if J, if Jaquindon Jackson's out, I love Jalen Glover. Jalen Glover at 5,500, wonderful play. He's going to get all the work. Micah Bernard, the RB2, out. Jaquindon Jackson, if he's out, that's the RB1 out. Glover's the number three running back. He's in. He got 26 carries two games ago. Number four running back was Chris Curry. He was announced as out for the season. That would be three of their top four backs out, and they're still missing Cam Rising facing a California defense that isn't great. So 30-point projection on that team, there's a chance that you get two touchdowns, and that is a place I will go if – now, I will have some permutations, and that might end up being a place I end up going later in the week. Kansas, Oklahoma State, we said we like both those running backs in that game. You're talking about going Nate Johnson? No, I'm talking about going with Jaden uh, Jalen Glover. Yeah, Glover. Okay. I want to get to the I'm – th- I'm just thinking running – running back's the most interesting position to me this week, and I think it's the one you can narrow down the most. Uh, in Illinois, we got Fagan. That's a potential hot spot. And to me – the one guy who could be the differentiator of all differentiators. I debated writing him up. I thought I might be nuts because he's only had, he's had one good game this year and it was against Charlotte, but I remember him multiple times in years past having these monster games. And that is Maryland running back Roman Hemby. He can come out of <laughs> nowhere. He can come out of nowhere and he'll have 150 yards and four rushing touchdowns. And it's just a variance week where Tal, uh, Talia Tagovailoa just doesn't throw the touchdowns. They got a 32-point team total, and Illinois has given up 4.3 a carry on the season. So he's in one of the better matchups this week. He's 6,500. He's not cheap. Nobody will play him. And it's the type of thing that if it hits, he he's done it against Charlotte earlier this year. He had 34 points. So that's the kind of guy that if he hits and a Neil busts or the other Ollie Gordon busts and those other 6K range guys bust, he could outscore all of them and you get so much game like uh, advantage on the field that it's nuts. I am crafting the one last lineup before I say goodbye for everyone at home. Um, I will quickly run you through all the teams here in one second as I click. My final player selection. Do I not have enough money for this? Oh, I, I, I can't play Roman Hemby in, in the 100K winner. I mean, that's that's steel underpants type player there. And I <laughs> I just don't have that in me. I think I'm going to – I'll play it a little safer because I'll just be happy to take home a cash in that, knowing that I could get there and it'll, it'll be worth it, specifically for where I'm at right now. But – I wonder, okay, so I guess just hear me out on this and tell me how much you hate it, but because I believe the answer is going to be a lot, but we'll see. Um, And one more, okay. So I'm going to go with this complete dart throw, I think, here, using a lot of your guys, Emery Jones, Bray, Noel, Polk, Smith, 
I'm going to come off of, see, I hate this. I'm not even going to say it out loud because I hate it and I want to change it more and I'll figure it out later. I'll text you about it. I want to, I want to try and give an Oregon running back. I want to do a second one. I've got over 200 in the bankroll here after last week's success. I want to take a second shot at it. Um, They don't normally put a hundred K carrot out there. And I think I want to try. It's twice a season usually. Oh, it's maybe three, three times. It's this week. It's going to be probably conference championship area or towards that like Thanksgiving time. And then, like and the then it'll January be January 1st. It'll be the, yeah, it'll be the January 1st where we get like a couple days worth or, or maybe just that one day, but sometimes it lasts a couple days. We'll get that one. I, I want to take a, a, a chunk shot here at this Washington backfield and the Oregon backfield because. If we get a couple of goal line tackles, we end up with a lot of possibility there. And I just like it. There's just so many points that I could see one carry ripped off, especially Washington's defense is 147th in points allowed. Or uh, I guess the running backs. Um, so do you like James? Is James playable? James is playable, especially now with Whittington gone. Because I like Milton. I like James. I just don't know what to end up using the money I'm saving for. That's the thing. But if I'm going to go would, with the running backs, I might as well. Go, that's where you get off a of Polk, though. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Because I get off a of Polk. Not I, end up at 60, I end up at 6,100 left still. Oh, well. um, so that's where I end up in the LaQuint Allen, no. uh, Andrew Armstrong, Jabari no. Small. No. Presley's not playable. I mean, I end up back down to Tez Johnson, and I've got $200 free dollars. Um, I guess I it opens up at, at – so here's what I um got. you could go squirrel. That- I mean you're you're that's the problem though is you're like a hundred off of everybody who's actually good. Like Ollie Gordon's a good play. Keaton's not I mean he's fine, but I would go squirrel there. I love a guy named Squirrel. Okay, so let's say I go squirrel. So the lineup ends up being Emery Jones. <clears throat> the I'd end up with James and Milton at running back. Bray, Noel, Squirrel, and that leaves me with 15-9 for my wide receiver and super flex, or my flex and super flex. And I currently have, well, it's actually exactly 17. No, exactly 16. And I have Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman. No, of course you do. I I like them a lot this week. Look, if oh, we just watched, we just watched Drake May put four hundred up on the board. If if you told me that Johnny Wilson was out, I would like it more than I do. Look, you have to get it. It's it's your brand. You have to get an FSU guy in. Well, I like, I love the matchup. I I, I sat here and I wrote this up before we even did this part. I had I haven't touched any of these either of these lineups. I really like Florida State's passing game matchup against against Syracuse. They're allowing north of 280 yards a game in their Power Five games this year, um, and that's against Clemson, UNC, and um, I forget the third. But it, it's not something I think they, they've been bad against Power Five teams. And Florida State is not just like any Power Five team. It's a nice pivot, you know. Yeah, I, I, I imagine I no one's going to – if you're going to sit there and you're going to look at 9K-plus at a quarterback position, I don't think you're picking Travis. I was going Milrow. See, I, even then, you're looking away from Travis. Like, I, I just feel like if I'm going to try and win a, a – what is it, 100K this week? Yeah. I'll take the shot. 
I don't think it's a bad shot to take. I think the price is hard to swallow comparatively with the limited rushing capability. I'm really leaning into touchdown variance there. I'm hoping that the defense doesn't score. I'm hoping that Syracuse keeps it close enough. I'm hoping that a lot of, I mean, it's, it's not, it's a lot of the same concerns I would have about Milrow, except for one of them can throw and one of them can run. Yeah, that's true. Milrow's a runner. So that, that does exist. He's just going to tuck it more often than not. Um, Travis is a much better real life quarterback than he is a fantasy quarterback, which is so interesting because we would have said the exact opposite a year and a half ago. hundred percent. We would have said not a shot. He's a runner first. He'll throw eventually. And it's just weird. We've ended up here. Uh, so running from the top real quick, appreciate you guys going back, going, staying through our, our back and forth. It's I have Florida state minus 17 and a half at home against Syracuse, Oregon plus three and a half on the road at Washington AM plus three and a half on the road at Tennessee, Kansas minus three and a half on the road at Oklahoma State, LSU minus 11 and a half at home, UNC minus three and a half at home against Miami, Notre Dame minus two and a half at home against USC, and Oregon State minus four and a half at home against UCLA. Uh, this is the Saturday DFS main slate. Again, 100K, the top prize on the $20 tournament. If you're playing, you're kind of taking one shot at it, depending on your bankroll. Uh, because I cleaned up last week, I'm going to take a second and just go totally off the wall and be okay burning a $20 bill, I guess. Uh, Chris recommending Emory Jones, Cincinnati quarterback at 7,300, loves the rushing upside. Bo Nix at 10K in the big shootout game there. Uh, again, loves the rushing upside. Z- Jesus. Le'Veon Moss, Xavion Moss, Le'Veon Moss from Texas A&M at 5,300 uh, against Tennessee. Devin Neal from Kansas at 6,700. He's also moderately interested in Ollie Gordon, if you can get there, or Roman Hemby, because he just mentioned those are possible blow-up spots, but you got to hear that argument back and forth between the two of us. Uh, Jaden Bray, the wide receiver at Oklahoma State, 4,900. Jalen Knoll at 5,100. And, of course, the pass catchers in the Washington-Oregon game. What was your caveat on the Washington pass attack with McMillan back? Uh, McMillan is the 1A and or 1B, depending on the week, and Odunze is the other 1A, 1B. So they split it. If you can get whichever one right, they typically, it's basically Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors. It's no different. They're just an expensive version of it. So be careful on how you're playing that. We, if you know, pay attention. Don't, don't get the game logs fool you for the number four receiver when McMillan's been out here. Make sure you're keeping a close eye if you're looking for that game. Uh, Play it smart. Good luck. If you guys win 100K, remember who sent you there and who got you that, who got you the cash. It was us, you know. Um, we work day jobs, so, you know, a few extra bucks couldn't help. We appreciate it. Kidding. I'm pathetic. If I won, we wouldn't share it with you anyway. But it's okay. Hey, we love you. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is Sharpen the Point. Until next week. Thanks for listening, guys.